Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Sportscast podcast. This week, myself and Jordan will be going through the weekend's football, the Monza Grand Prix, a look back at last night's boxing events in Manchester, US Open, a little bit of a look at the athletics that finished last week, and then I look forward to some of the Ryder Cup. Another week. How are we? Good. Yourself? Yeah, very well. What do we start with? Should we get football out of the way? Yeah. Not been a, a very eventful weekend across sort of any part of the footballing world. Um, Premier League, Spurs picked up a 5-2 win away at Burnley. Burnley have now lost three games this season, which is all they lost last year in the Championship as a whole. Yeah. But they were never going to come in and, and sort of really run away with anything. But Spurs surviving and surviving very well without um, Harry Kane. Yeah. Sheffield United-Everton, probably the most exciting game of the weekend to all. There was a bit in the game and Everton had got a free kick 25 yards out. Referees marked out 10 yards, players have got there and he's drawn the white line on the floor. The Sheffield United players have moved forward. So the referee's gone over, told them to go back, but then because they wouldn't go back, just sprayed a new line, like oh, nine, nine yards out. So the players are like, hang on a minute. And he's just, I mean, there was a lot of other calamity errors within the game from the referee. Yeah. But that is just, there's a line that's 10 yards. They've stepped ahead of it and he's just gone, well, here's a new line. Well, it's clearly not 10 yards. Yeah. Absolutely horrific refereeing. Brighton got a 3-1 a win at Newcastle, which I think will be, for me, probably the game that will, the teams that will be sort of around that fifth, sixth mark at the end of the season. So that's quite a big game. It is, it's, like four or five years ago, you would have expected... Obviously, Brighton in the Premier League, but um, five years ago, you'd have expected that kind of scoreline from Newcastle United. But yeah. like, given all the money that they've had spent on them, and given like the the hype train around Newcastle and how they performed last season, they're currently running in fourteenth after four games played. It's not fantastic start to the season for them, is it? No, they've, they've had some tough games. They've already played Man City. Yeah, um, you know they've they've not had it easy. But there's um, other parts of of that game i mean brighton are you know brighton got they finished fairly high last year what they've done in their player development has been incredible that's why you know they've been buying these players for five five million and selling them for a hundred million yeah brighton are in a very very good place <laughs> as a club whether that will turn out to be a good investment for any other team yeah chelsea exactly. mainly but they're in a very, very good position. They've got the young, North, uh, the, I can't remember if he's Northern Irish or Irish striker in Evan Ferguson, who's 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And he scored a hat-trick yesterday. Yeah. 18 in the Premier League. 
I certainly wasn't doing that at 18 years old. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's going to be a fantastic player when he's older. Mm -hmm. Sunderland absolutely battered Southampton. Southampton 5 0. There's a young player at Southampton. Uh, his first name escapes me. His surname's Riggs. And he's 16 years old. And wow. he's been playing really, really well this season. And he scored yesterday. Yeah. So, 16 year old scored in the Championship as well. So, he's not exactly cutting it about in the. You know the conference north or anything like that. He's, he's in a top top league. Preston two 0 away at Stoke. That puts Preston at top of the league, and Wrexham won their derby with Tramley at one nil. You had, for me, the most exciting game in football today in Rangers versus Celtic, which finished one nil to Celtic. Again, another game that how it finished one nil is absolutely beyond me. That game could have been five all, which most old firms can always finish that way as well. Arsenal-Man United 3-1. It was 1-1 in the 85th minute. Man United scored. VAR took it out. It's 1-all going into added on time. Arsenal scored in the 96th and 101st minute for 3-1. Wow. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Top of the Premier League, City. Bottom, Burnley. Preston top of the Championship. Middlesbrough bottom, bit of surprise that Michael Carrick took him to the playoffs last year. Exeter top of the League One, Cheltenham bottom, Notts County top of League Two, which I think is probably where they're going to stay for the rest of the year. Doncaster Rovers bottom of the league. Great. I saw uh, an Instagram post from the stadium in, in the Keymark Stadium in Doncaster, and the I think the attendance is not the attendance, the capacity is around fifteen and a half thousand. Fifteen thousand and one. And there can't have been more than two, three thousand. Well, they 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 claim they get around seven thousand a game. Okay. But uh, you, you, if you sell three thousand season tickets, yeah, and and for whatever reason, half of them don't turn up, you've already got yourself guaranteed three thousand seats. Yeah. So however many season tickets they've sold, they'll never go below that, whether they turn up or not. Yeah. So it, it never. I've I've been at Keepo numerous of it's not in Keepo anymore, it's Eco Power Stadium, but I've spent many, many, many games there. I've had season tickets in the past and um I've been there on a Tuesday night where they said that tonight's attendance eight thousand and yeah. you want to put it much more than three. Yeah. So it, it can be a bit deceiving. Yeah. Another Premier League hat trick for Haaland. Had a cracking start to the season already. Yes, he did pick one up. Yeah. He he didn't score in the first game, but then he's just gradually Brought his way into it. Yeah, he, he. I mean, he's going to finish top goal scorer. There's no one going to get close to him this year. That yeah. is, that's a fact. Couple of little bits really that are picked up. Obviously, Man United have closed the transfer window. The, the biggest spend ever over two billion pound in the transfer window spent by yeah. Premier League club. Spurs picked up Brennan Johnson from Nottingham Forest. Even as a Welshman, I'm not sure on that signing. Doesn't really seem to have done much in the past 12 months for Forest. Man United got Amberat, which is what they were looking for on initial loan. But they'll they'll once they've got the funds, they'll they'll uh, buy him next year. I think yeah. they just need to get rid of McTominay and Maguire. Yeah. Spurs seem to be playing better without Harry Kane. Yeah. Not struggling for goals. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I. I... You've always, unless you are a world-class player, and, and Harry Kane is, a, is an extremely good player, don't get me wrong, 
would I say he's world class? I don't know. When you when you compare him when you compare him to genuine players who are who I I think are world class, Messi Ronaldo, obviously the two that, that spring to mind. Um Zlatan Ibrahimovic, like big big character players, but can also can also really, really impact a team. They don't seem to Harry Kane doesn't seem to He's a player, he's a target man, and he gets the job done. But I don't necessarily think that Tottenham will miss him in the long term. I think they've always built the team around him, and I just don't think he's... That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. I know I bumbled a little bit there, but yeah. They've built the team around him, but he's not necessarily a player that can, carry can that. back that up yeah. kind of thing. Whereas the three aforementioned... You would build a team round, yeah, definitely. things like that. Um, Mo Salah news, seen the Mo Salah news? Yeah, hundred and fifty million pound flat rejected by I'd, Liverpool. I'd have absolutely snatched. snapped their hand off. Um, the... Apparently not confirmed, but apparently as of what when we're recording Sunday night, uh, they've gone back with an upped offer of two hundred million, oh. which is like another thirty-three percent on top. For a thirty-one-year-old that's not had the best of two seasons, um, and I mean they're offer they're offering him one point five million pound a week. I know it's crazy money. And uh, Chelsea uh, with Cole Palmer have now surpassed a billion pounds worth of spending under the new owner. Um, I think uh, how long. They've only been, he's only been the owner of maybe a year, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, just of 12 A billion pounds, and they are, would you say, <laughs> they've got the money for money? Well, I don't know. A couple of these players, I think they've overpaid. And Cole Palmer's a, a very talented player. I, I don't understand why City have let him go. They probably couldn't give him the game time that he wanted. Um, but one thing that people are picking up on with Chelsea spending a billion pounds, it's, you know, FFP, financial fair play, and all yeah. this stuff. They've also sold the most. They've accumulated nearly two hundred and seventy million pounds this transfer window in player sales. So yeah, so the net. Yeah, but they're still, um, you know, still seven hundred million. Yeah. Down, but um, but they're still, you know, they're still not brilliant in the set in that sense that you know they they need to. <sighs> I say offset the cost. What they've done and what 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 they've now banned is they staggered the payments, so there wasn't initially. Um, so where they've maybe said here's a here's a hundred million, and they're, they're putting all these players on seven eight year contracts. Yeah, crazy. You know, Sterling is on a, a long contract on three hundred and fifty grand a week. Yeah. Um. So it's not just big money they're paying; it's big wages. But yeah. I know they've shifted a few off, but they've also yeah. The, the long term investment he he must the, the new owner must be there kind of for the long term and must be willing to spend some of his own money because if if Chelsea don't get Champions League football, if Champions well, uh, they're not in it. Well, this year. No, they're not in it. But if they don't secure it again this year and for next year and they get knocked out of of cups and and things like that and they they continue to perform bottom half of the table. I know they're a big club, but sponsorship will slightly wane and, and things like that. And they will, mm. they they can. I mean, 
Look at Leeds United in the like nineties. They were like the biggest team in the world. Yeah, I think they were the Champions League two thousand and two, and then how quickly now, they went. Yeah, I do. I do think that could happen. I think it all depends what happens with FFP and how these payments have been staggered. And I think what they're going to have. I think, I think what they've maybe done is is they've, they've gone out, they've overhauled the team, and then I think for the next two or three years they'll go for a bit of stability. Yeah, and 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 build that way. He's an American owner probably doesn't fully understand the contracts because a lot of American footballers and like that, they get yeah, a 10-year contract. Oh, right, okay. They get long, heavy contracts, mm. front-loaded, you know, 40 million guaranteed and then 60 million spread over 10 years kind of thing and things like that. Who knows? Time will tell with that one. Formula One, Monza Grand Prix. Did you catch much of it? I did. I watched it all. Oh, did you? Um, Mixed, yeah. Opposite, roles reversed. Yeah. I, I didn't catch it, but I did see... Uh, the highlights, which were probably all of about four minutes, it's they've stretched that out. Yeah. I think um, <laughs> it's a track that never necessarily has piles and piles of action. Just given the actual nature of the circuit, it's a very, very uh, fast circuit, flat out for something like eighty yeah. percent of the of the of the track. Really interesting first corner chicane, um, and then really last, uh, really interesting last corner. But it's not really overtaken. It's it. more no, just flat out, flat out, ready for a DRS zone, but. There was yeah. a couple of interesting bits. Yeah, it was good to see, you know, Sainz qualifying first, Leclerc in third. Third, yeah. Um, Max splitting the two and then Albon in sixth. I think I think, you know, that they're probably the biggest surprises yeah. of, of the qualifying. Something that really, really did piss me off watching the qualifying is and, and, and I think maybe Williams or some of the because I don't know if you know, I don't know if our listeners know, if you don't already know, that your qualifying position or your finishing position in the Ch Constructors' Championship the previous year dictates where your garage is on the pit wall for the yes. following year. So the really lower-rung teams are the first garage, and then Red Bull and uh, Mercedes and whoever comes first, second, third are at the end of the pit lane. Um, and obviously you do get a benefit from that when it gets to roughly two minutes to go what happened yesterday is uh two minutes to go everybody piled out of the garage everybody backed up and then sergeant and albon didn't manage to get a flying lap in because they they missed, crossed the finish line. line afterwards so i felt really bad for him because i genuinely believe i don't think he i think he still would have qualified 10th but i still think sergeant was uh unfairly sort of he lost out a little bit on that which i was disappointed with um Williams have always been known for an extremely low downforce car, really, really quick in a straight line. It would have been a track that would have benefited Logan Sargent as well because, technical like technical ability wise, it's it's one of the lower technical technical yeah. circuits yeah, for a newbie. It's... But I was disappointed for him. Yeah, I think it, it, as, a, as a track, it's not the most exciting of races. You, you've got one, you know, is that final corner, one long straight, and then the and then the, and then the first two corners and that is it um ferrari being ferrari towards the end with a very very nearly double dnf what well, i don't so so just just to cover it um so signs held max off um pretty strongly uh probably lap six is where it looked like he was going to get him but he didn't Took to lap 15, lap 31, nothing really happened in between. Lap 31, Perez on the clerk, Perez dipped onto the grass. Yeah, so. 
that was that was almost mm -hmm. Russell-esque last week. Uh, but then he got him on the on the on the pit straight in the very next uh, time round, and then lap forty-one was when Lewis and Oscar Piastri. Yeah, I saw this and, and I, I noticed that Hamilton took um, responsibility on the radio and not only that, after the race, which wasn't aired, but I've seen on, on social media since, um, he went immediately out of the car to Piastri's car and apologised. It, 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 it wasn't Lewis's fault. Yeah, it, it was a racing incident. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't malicious, it was an accident, he took the penalty, it didn't matter necessarily in the end and it, no. didn't, it did ruin... Piastri's race, which is a shame for McLaren because they are trying to chase Alpine, whoever who yeah. had a poor weekend. Uh, Aston Martin, sorry, yeah. Alpine, who had a poor weekend. Um, so, yeah. Three things. Uh, 14 laps led by signs at the start of the Grand Prix is the longest anybody has led a race other than Red Bull this year. In my opinion, holding him up. And, and I know you said he defended yeah. well, but within, after lap 15, by lap 21, Max was 4.9 seconds clear. Yeah. So he's he's held him up for fifteen laps, yes. and then in six laps he's pulled out. Yeah, five seconds. Five seconds. Um, did you see on Thursday night after the driver briefing, all the drivers coming out of the debriefing room? Saw that. Did you did you pick up on at the end all the drivers coming out together? And Lance was on his own with his AirPods in. Yeah. Nobody seems to gel with him. No, nobody. He's an awkward guy. I, I follow him. I follow most of the drivers. In fact, I follow all the drivers on on Instagram. And he's just weird. He's he's a weird yeah. guy. There's rumours of him wanting to leave F1 to take up a career as a professional tennis player. I fully support his decision. <laughs> Without knowing how good he is at tennis. Without knowing, he could be could be a professional chess player for like care. Do you think? Uh, this Bring was, back Latifi. This, God. No, actually, I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll, they'll not be, or just be having races behind the safety car. <laughs> um, social media is a beautiful place, and uh, I just want to put this out there. But do you think there's a conspiracy for Red Bull? And what I mean by that is, in qualifying yesterday, drivers are having their lap times deleted, and on Max's last flying lap, he is well over the white lines and nothing. Oh, really? I've not seen this. No investigation. No. Is nothing. this on turn seven? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. I, I, so the turn seven's an interesting one because I thought that they were over over the track limits on a number of occasions. But it's a if you have a look at turn seven, I believe it's a double curb. So you've got a curb, and then you've got an instep. The yeah, that that kind of thing. And it might not be because it's, it's a flat out corner, so it might be the last. Mm. But there were drivers being investigated, and, and and Max completely over, not even looked into. Yeah, it was not even noted. Nothing. Very. Conspiracy theorist, that you know. Yes, yeah, interesting. And... Then again, I know Ferrari were being investigated for uh, too slow of an outlap, um, and they were too slow, and they didn't get penalised. So whether it was just a, a warning shot for the rest of the team, yeah, and, and this is it. You, you know, you they, they seem to. They, I can't remember what race it was. It was it was Austria. You know, there was something like a hundred and thirteen yeah no eleven eleven hundred and twenty two track limits out of fifteen hundred and not yeah. one of them was for a Red Bull. Yeah. You know, it's it's very That being said, ten wins in a row now for Max, which has never ever been seen in Formula One ever yeah. in the history of Formula One. Um I will argue that the RB19 is a unbelievable car and Adrian knew he should be made to draw next year's car with his left hand. However, Max is driving impeccably. Yeah, he's not. He's not. 
he's not making any mistake. We've seen it before. Lewis has made the odd mistake here and there when he's been out in the lead, and um, you know, little things. He, he's not. He's not overshooting shooting a corner. He's nope. not. He's not getting. You know, he's not underbreaking himself. He's not. You know, nothing. Yeah. He's. He's every race. And we saw something today that we haven't seen on this calendar, uh, on this uh, 2023 season so far. Guaranteed it was only, uh, granted it was only for one lap, but Max actually defending against Sainz. When he overtook mm-hmm. Sainz, Sainz was still on his gearbox for about a lap and a bit. And he defended really well as well. He he is driving impeccably. This was the Vettel theory, though. Vettel only ever seemed to win when he was in first place and off he went. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's Vettel's record that, Max has broken. Yes. So yeah. mm-hmm. people have always argued, you know me, I'm a bit, I'm a Lewis fanboy, but everyone's like, yeah, well, no one's arguing when Lewis dominated. Max is breaking either his own records or Red Bull slash Vettel's records, yeah. mm. who won four in a row. Mm. Lewis never won four in a row. No. Granted, he lost to Rosberg, his teammate, but it, it's, yeah, Adrian Newey, even. Make him draw it blind. <laughs> also, this weekend was the rematch that I was massively looking forward to in Liam Smith and Chris Eubank Jr. On the undercard, you had local lad Dave Allen fighting Fraser Clark. Fraser Clark with five low blows, which after the Usic-Daniel Dubois fight the, the week before, which was sort of, did Usic get a low bow, did yeah, he yeah. And, and things like that. Dave Allen, to be fair to him, took all five, didn't take long to want to get back at, at Fraser Clark. He, he didn't seem to want to throw much, but he ended up having to um, throw the towel in, retire, however you want to put it, um, perpetrated his uh, eardrum. Okay. So, but Dave Allen's got a little, 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 little kid now, same age as, as mine, and... Um, I think in the back of his mind, he, he he's been in fights before where he he's bit half his tongue off and stuff like that and carried on and he's not one to quit. And I just think part of me says that in the back of his head, he wants to get home for his kid. Yeah. Boxing's not the place to be for that. Same kind of thing with Tommy Fury. Yeah. We, we discussed this last week, um, so I'm not going too much into it, but boxers, boxers have have got to be raw, pure, primeval fighting machines that yeah. want to win. And the greatest boxers that have ever existed in the history of boxing have had that raw, almost animalistic so, so want to win. So Eubank and Smith is, is probably a very good analogy of this. Chris Eubank Jr., his dad, Eubank, mm-hmm. fantastic fight in the 90s. Mm. Unbelievable. One of the best to ever sort of grace the division. He's a boxer. He's had a very privileged lifestyle. You know, he lives on the sandbanks in Bournemouth, drives the McLaren. This was before he's made his first professional fight. He's fighting Liam Smith, who comes from a family of fighters. Yeah. Scouts, um, you know, all the brothers, Cal Smith, Paul Smith, they've all been world champions. They're fighters. And, and there's a difference, I think, between a boxer and a fighter. Yeah. And that's what you had here. Tommy Fury is probably a boxer. Mm. Yes, he might come from that travelling background, but he hasn't lived that lifestyle. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's a shame. Smith, I think I showed you a video, he rolled his ankles, yeah. both ankles, mm. quite severely. And, and you'd think then, 
it, he kind of went into survival mode, knowing he wasn't going to win the fight. But then I, part of me says, why stand there and get punched in the face for the next eight rounds yeah. if, if you're going to... He ended up um, he ended up losing in the 10th round. Uh, I think it just, you know, it was just he couldn't dodge anything anymore. He was getting hit quite cleanly. Chris Eubank looked sharp. He looked crisp. He looked everything that a boxer should look. They won all now. Smith put Eubank down in the fourth round. I'd love to see a trilogy. I think Eubank's the kind of person that won't let it happen. I've beat you now. What what interest have I got in you? Yeah. Even though when he lost, he was begging for the rematch. You you've got to you know you've got to take that now to see if you can win the trilogy. Mm. Rugby, there's been a few dropouts in a few of the, the squads, mainly the French squad that seem to be struggling. Um, with injuries at the minute, I think I'll cover it in a lot more depth midweek for the Rugby World Cup pre-event special, which will be out on Thursday. Uh, the That kicks off on Friday with my beloved Wales kicking off their first game Saturday night, 8pm. US Open, have you caught much not caught Elios open Andy Murray went out second round um he's basically said that that's probably the last of his majors yeah he since he came back from hip injury in 2019 he has he has not made a major last 16 he, you know he's gone out early in, in in all of them so um he's still in the mixed doubles um, you know, I think the, the, that, I think that's where he'll play for for the next few years at just least. See, yeah. see it out in the doubles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He, he obviously has a love for tennis, and, and you do your love for tennis doesn't retire when you retire. Um, he's thirty six years old, and I know the courts are obviously wider for doubles, but it's is is it more of an intellectual kind of. Um, sp- part of tennis over a more physical sort of singles is a very physical game yeah that exactly that i think i think you know you look at where he's you know you, you look at where tennis is with with alcaraz you still got djokovic in there you know you've got these big hitters that that still um that are still there you know djokovic was two sets down in his last game and and came back still, you know, he lost 6-4, 6-4, then 6-1, 6-1, 6-3 wins. So, you know, when you've got someone at his age, he's 36, same age as Murray, that's still with that kind of longevity in him and Murray struggles with that, he, 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 I think for him, he has to set up yeah. around the doubles. Um, You know, that's, that's just how it is. Alcaraz is still in it, defending his US Open. I think it's going to be an Alcaraz Djokovic final. I can't see anything else at the minute. Um, he beat uh, he beat Evans in, in in the last round. Dan Evans. So I think um, you know there's no more British people left in the singles. I think Alcaraz and Djokovic are to see the tennis world out for the next. I think you know Djokovic will pass on the the mantle and it'll be Alcaraz for the next ten years. Yeah. I, I can't, or if long he's twenty years old. It could be 15 years that I can't see anyone that's carrying the kind of power, presence, and know how yeah. that, that he's got. Mm-hmm. Last weekend, 
saw the end of the World Championship Athletics. Great Britain getting 10 medals. I watched an awful lot of this and it felt like they got a lot more, I'll be honest. There was, there was a lot of positive things happening. Uh, two goals, Katrina Johnson-Thompson in the heptathlon and Kerr in the 1500, who mm -hmm. he physically and literally threw himself over the line for yeah. that win. Um, he, you know, 16 years of training, went into that one race kind of thing. He just threw himself over the line. So three silvers, five bronze. There's, there's a couple of medals in there for the women's relay teams. Um, all around a really good world championships, to be fair. There, there was a, a young American female, won the women's 100 metres. Yes, I saw that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, reading about her quite a troubled upbringing very you know very much the underdog through her career but the thing is as well that was her first major final took gold at the company she was in you know with, with the jamaicans and things yeah I mean, incredible it wasn't impressive and 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 without sort of disrespecting her and and physically she she wasn't as as physically large or as physically more sort of toned or muscular or defined as as the other competitors and me knowing very little about athletics anyway especially women's 100 meters but i wouldn't have put money on her as as just a look no she 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 isn't very tall she isn't you know this big yeah because you say bolts like what six foot something daft yeah so he's got like five foot something legs <laughs> yeah and 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 she, you know she didn't and um one, one thing I, lo I was looking at which is very weird I, I saw it mainly through patterson's 800 meter bronze for, for great britain is when you're seeing these runners and they're picking up pace you've got two types of stride you've got people that go for like and this is what richardson does she goes for like the high knees and power off mm. and you've got people that have got the long legs and the long stride yeah and it was just fascinating to, to sort of pick up on that. Ryder Cup is upon us at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach Johnson, the United States captain, has picked his club captains. He's gone with Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas. We're still, there's still sort of qualification process going through for some of the players. Matt Fitzpatrick had the lead going into the European Masters this weekend, but he has lost that. He came third today. So over the next couple of weeks, it'll be interesting to see who makes the European squad for Italy for the Ryder Cup. Very much looking forward to that. The last thing probably to cover, there was a college volleyball game in America. So college, so university for us, mm. volleyball game. Nebraska beat Omaha. And they set a record for the highest attendance at a game. Okay. I love these little last minute, like, curveball fun facts that you bring what to the do podcast. You think? Now, bear in mind that the biggest attendance for an American football game isn't an NFL game, it's a college game. It's, it's something silly, like 113. College football is ridiculous, like, though, isn't it? Like, yeah, mm. the following. So, a college volleyball game yeah. versus Nebraska. Okay, it's Omaha. Okay. And it overtook a Barcelona game. Volleyball. Volleyball. 
I, I, I don't even know. Like, in, keep, in, keep mode was yeah, 15,001. In, in my head. Old Trafford's 80,000. Wembley's like 85,000. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the stadiums that you have you ever been to, like Manchester Arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sort of again. In my head, how many people can you fit in a sports hall? But I know that the answer is going to be ridiculous. Go hit me. I'll, give, I'll let you. I'll, it wasn't. It's not in a sports hall. It's in a. It's in a per- proper stadium. stadium so mm-hmm. It's called Memorial Stadium. I, I don't know. I don't even know. Like, how much can volleyball really? How many people can volleyball attract the family and the extended family of each player? So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like twelve thousand. I don't know. You tell me. Ninety-two thousand and three. What were ninety-two thousand and three people doing? Just can you imagine as well? I mean, a volleyball court isn't going to be. It's not a hundred meters. Um, you know, like a like a football field and things like that. So it's, it's going to be like, it's, you know, it's going to be tall. It's going to be, you know, people aren't going to be able to see half the game. But they, 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 they got 92,003 people at the game. Wow. Incredible. And so, okay. So very quick, quick conversation around like, uh, do they get paid or is it kind of like for draft or that kind of thing? So, because in my head, all, all, most people keep going on about it, especially in the light of the World Cup, all Women's World Cup, is men earn X amount of money because they bring in X amount of money. If a Nebraska volleyball game is bringing in 93,000 tickets, you would assume that they're going to be paid accordingly? So he, or here's, yeah. where, here's where it gets very complex and I've okay. that for a couple of minutes. So back in the 90s, there's this program that's on Netflix and it covers around crime within sport. Okay. One of the episodes is a guy in the 90s, he was tipped early 90s, that he's going to be bigger than Michael Jordan, this guy, he's that good. And basically what he was doing was he, they were all on scholarships. So they got their room paid for, you know, everything was covered apart, apart from their food and fuel. Yeah. But they were getting like two, three hundred bucks a month. Yeah. Which back then was a little bit mm. more, but probably not enough considering, you know, they were struggling to eat a lot of the time. So he started to get involved in betting. So people would say, look, we'll pay you 10 grand. Where that team there, you should be beating them by 30 points. Only beat them by six. Mm. So in American sports, betting is very different. It's about spread. You can, you know, win within six points. Yeah, yeah. So he'd still win, but he'd keep the gap or make the gap higher or lower and they'd give him 10 grand mm. there was this game where he got he got injured very very early and they ended up losing so he was chasing back trying to pay the 10 grand okay all came out rules have changed now predominantly so that your big players like ohio state etc etc that are on big scholarships that are going to be next big things to draft mm. they don't necessarily get paid they don't get contracts or anything like that but they are their education, everything's paid for, all their food. Okay, and, and to be honest with you, I've, I've seen the uh, university fees or college fees in America. They're not they're not £9,000 a year like they are in the UK. You can run £300,000, yeah, $600,000 in, in a Ivy League school. So yeah. it's a big thing, but, but 93000 They do, they do, they do get amazing. some money because mm. some of them have got really nice cars. And a lot of the college teams are sponsored by Under Armour, Nike. So they've got all the gear, yeah. so they don't need to. And and there's a couple of there's a couple of teams that have got former NFL 
Super Bowl winning managers as yeah. their managers. Yeah. Because financially they can still pay him five million pound a year. Interesting. Because they're getting seventy thousand people every game. Yeah. And they're not paying players. Yeah. I enjoy that. Maybe we should do one of these every week. I'll I'll keep I'll keep my eye out for them. 